You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Monday edition. I hope everyone had a nice holiday weekend. And we're back at it. And Matt, uh, one of the things, and we've, I mean, this is draft season. We've got to get deep into our draft rankings here. And I think we started some draft rankings. Some things might have changed because that was pre-workout numbers. It was pre-free agency. So we've got to sort of reset, start over, and go through the top five, tens, sleepers, that sort of thing with all of the position groups in the NFL draft, our favorites, maybe some favorite fits, and just go through every position group. And of course, it always starts with quarterbacks. And now that there's been a shakeup at the top of the draft, Maybe we can see where some of these pieces start to fit, in our opinion, maybe not league-wide talking head opinions, which I think tend to be different. And uh, I think that's why I want to start, Matt, with you with the question I have about what teams are doing right now and about some of the stuff we're hearing and leaking from different buildings and the lies being told. Find Matt on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. I am at BD Peacock. Let's just start with this actually first, Matt, before we start rankings everything's very quiet now there was a big trade 10 days ago now with the 49ers moving up to three the Miami Dolphins going from 12 to six the Eagles now at 12 and it's been quiet since then and it is hush hush around the league not a lot going on free agency has hit a lull now and uh, I would love for you for someone who's been around NFL buildings what is going on what are teams doing right now because things are extremely quiet on the NFL front yeah, it's a good conversation, and I'll do my best to help. Although, I mean, just full disclosure, I only did it for one year. I mean, I've been studying these things my whole life, though, and I've been around you know, the Steelers in a different capacity, so I have a pretty good idea of how things are going. But I don't know how much of it will be you – know, I don't know how much COVID affects it this year. You know, So to give you an idea, basically the big thing this time of year, and it might not quite be here yet, is my year with the Browns run by Phil Savage, who brought over the Ravens way of thinking in his first year as a GM, and everyone kind of does this the same way, is you start to, all the area scouts came to Cleveland or wherever home base is, all, of course all the coaches are there, everyone that matters, your cap guy, your GM, of course, you know. And you start to get into meeting time, you know, where you you have a whole day dedicated to your safety board. You know, some positions might take two days, but generally it's, you know, a, a long time with maybe an hour break that people work out and eat lunch and a very, very full day where, you know, the, the different area scouts read their reports. The defensive back coaches watch them at this point, if we're talking safeties, perhaps. Um, your defensive coordinator has input. Everyone that's had some opinion, there's cross checks. You know, like, for example, I might have been in charge of cross checking all the safeties to give my opinion, just another set of eyes. And that's where a lot of the battles take place. And, and you build your your vertical board, you know, basically one to X, you know, all the way down this guy below this guy below this guy. And that doesn't mean it's set in stone. And I'm not sure it's quite to that point yet, because if you figure it out, you probably want a day or two, uh, maybe even a week leeway after you've built that board before the draft. So you, but for this point, so um, I guess it's probably close to that time where it's war room time and everyone's hunkering in for a position. 
And then after those vertical boards are built, you know, one, two, three, four, five down the list, you start looking at it horizontally. So, okay, is my third running back worth more than my sixth safety? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just because you you look across the board, you know, and so you start spacing them out there. And it's a really good visual way of looking at it. And then we took all the guys that we didn't think were draftable prospects, put them on the sideboard and ranked them by their grade. They still had grades by their, you know, all the scouts. It doesn't mean they won't be in the equation, especially for free agency time, but you hope to basically draft, and you basically do draft everyone off your big board. Um, But also I think the GM, the pro side of things are looking for bargains right now too. Like, especially once you get into those rooms and everyone hashes it out and you say, I knew this defensive tackle class was was light, but I didn't realize it was this light. And there's this many, only X amount of draftable guys that we think can help our team and scheme. Maybe we should call that nose tackle that's been around the league that's cheap right now and add him to the equation because I don't want to trust this group of draftees to help my team this year. At what point, like what day... If it is right now, it's April 5th and the draft starts, what, April 29th, right? Yeah, that's what I was trying to figure out in my head. (laughs) What day would you say your draft board is set, most likely? If you had to average out every team in the NFL based on your knowledge of how these things work and how draft war rooms work, what day do you think on average in April, or maybe it was before, what day would teams have their draft board set and they say, okay, we're ready to draft, here's our draft board? Hmm. Again, it's been a while. I mean, I would say a safe number would be maybe a week before that Thursday with the the possibility of maybe going in there two days before and say, hey, you guys looked at anything that you're not comfortable with? What's not settling right with you? Is there anybody we need to move up in the horizontal or vertical board? Um, I would think you'd want all those position battles done 10 days or so before the draft mm-hmm. and then spend a couple days horizontally ranking them you always hear you hear about i I think it'd be smart to walk away though for two days and then walk back in you know yeah absolutely reset the brain and then have another look at it and you always hear about the the scout or the coach or whoever who stands on the table for a guy that standing on the table there's not enough time to stand on the table while you're on the clock right so that's when that has to happen the last couple of days right you 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 take a break you come back you look at the board okay last arguments you're the gm and, and you're looking at your top people Tell me what player you're fighting for that needs to be in a different spot. Right, right. Because when it's set, we're a team, you know, your opinion was valued, but I can only have a couple decision makers and maybe even one, um, you know, when it's time to pick. I mean, he's going to have a couple people on the phones working with them. Your GM obviously is going to, especially in the early rounds, the owner's often involved. That doesn't mean he's, the owner is saying you can't pick him or you can't pick him. But he's going to be there for the, the 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 first pick, especially early in the draft. But you know the area scouts are kind of just on call during the draft. You know they've said their piece, they fought their battles, they've done their job. The hay's in the barn. They may get a call from the war room. You're obviously in the facility. Hey Matt, get in here. We're torn between these two still. I just want to get your final opinion on these two tight ends, and you rank them both. And okay. Uh, or we're getting a call, or can you call the the, the Colts and see if they would consider moving up uh, or something like that? You know, I mean, but all in all, the hay's in the barn. You just kind of wait around until late in the draft, 
where and we could that's a whole bigger story but then you know the six round rolls around you start calling agents saying hey if this guy doesn't get picked we want him to be a cleve brownie you know what i mean what, what would it take to get mm-hmm. him in here as a free agent yeah and a lot of that work is being done in advance and you always hear about coaches and it's all hands on deck right calling all their favorite especially if you're a position coach and you had this one favorite small school guy doesn't get drafted you're on the phone during the draft on day three trying to call that agent it's like hey if this guy doesn't get drafted i'm trying to talk my team into drafting him but if he doesn't get drafted will you sign with my team right you're trying to put your feelers out and get all those things going and sign usually sign more undrafted free agents than players you actually draft Yes, and I've told this story on the air here, but it's been a while, and I'm sure we, we obviously have a lot of new listeners and whatnot. My job was we had, I want to say like 10 grand in signing bonus money to sign three free agent wide receivers. Okay, like get the best guys you can, Matt. Work the phones, and you might think you got a guy sealed up, and then someone takes him late in the seventh round, and oh, I got to adjust. Well, our first pick was Braylon Edwards, so we weren't going to draft another wide receiver. I mean, he was third pick in the draft, but we still needed guys. You're still going to bring more free agents to camp. And one of my claim to fames, I guess, in my career was I kind of got Josh Cribbs that year. Is I gave him like nine of the ten grand. He was just from Kent State right down the road. We knew he could help as a returner. He was a quarterback in college, but loved his athleticism and toughness. And I remember like having that pretty much sealed up, and I – handed the phone to Paul Warfield, who was another, um, obviously, Hall of Famer, an amazing man, by the way, and he kind of sealed the deal. But I'd worked the phones with Cribs's agent that whole time saying, hey, yeah, we love Braylon, but he's the only one we're bringing in. You're the next guy in line. So that worked out well. And the argument could be made that Cribs ended up being as valuable or more valuable than Braylon Edwards in the end. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, great career. Well, nine. That's a well-spent $9,000, Matt. Well done there. I don't know who the, the other two schlubs were that split the other grand, but <laughs> didn't really care. Yeah, it didn't matter. You got the you got the big prize. Joshua Cribs. That's a great one. I had not heard that story before. That's fantastic. Yeah, we had a, a draftable grade on him. He was on the front board, and he was still out there, and we knew a lot about him, and we knew a lot of people at Kent State, and that was a home run. Fantastic. Love that story. Okay, let's talk quarterback rankings yeah. next here on Peacock and Williamson. NFL draft season in full swing, and you can get in on the action at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. NFL draft props, super fun. If you think you know better than the average person what's going to happen in the NFL draft, you can find those draft props at BetOnline. NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball regular season now underway. Bet online even covers awards and TV shows and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine to go along with table games and poker as well. And it's free to sign up. Just head over to the website. You can use your mobile device too. Sign up today using promo code Locked On. Receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag for 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on bet online, your online sportsbook experts. It's time to start following Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes podcast. They watch every prospect, so you don't have to. Follow Locked On NFL Draft and the Draft Dudes on all of your favorite podcast apps, including the new Odyssey app. 
When it comes to those quarterbacks, Matt, what order do you believe they should and will, which are two very different things, go in? I think should is probably what we're doing here with quarterback rankings. I want to go over your initial rankings that was now uh, over a month ago that we we started to look at these rankings. You had Trevor Lawrence one. You had Justin Fields two, Zach Wilson three, Trey Lance four, Mac Jones five. And I want to talk sleepers as well. And universally, those are the top five guys. But universally, I think Zach Wilson is now two. Have you moved Zach Wilson up to two on your board? Do you still like Justin Fields, number two? Or have you seen more from one of these other prospects to bump them into the second spot, assuming Trevor Lawrence is still your one? Yeah, and Lawrence is, and I don't think we have to talk about him. I mean, we were sitting around at Easter, and my son was like, so, Dad, is Lawrence like the best quarterback prospect you've seen? And I'm like, I was 10 when Elway came out, son, but mm-hmm. I would say yes. You know, so, uh, I mean, he's one. I mean, that's about as clear as you could be. Probably about as much as we need to say about him. Um, I like Wilson an awful lot. I love his off-platform throws. I think he has some Aaron Rodgers, dare I say, Mahomes, like throwing ability. I, I have one thing about Wilson that scares me, and this is why I have fields ahead of him still, is the physicality of the position. I mean, Wilson doesn't have a lot of body armor. I mean, he's a thinner, smaller, slighter dude, and he avoids you know the rush extremely well. And I'm nitpicking here, but why I bring that up with him more so than anyone else is Everyone talks about, boy, Mac Jones had it so good at Alabama. Just er, Zach Wilson was never under pressure at BYU. Mm-hmm. I mean, I at least know Will Jones can navigate pressure, shuffle within the, the the framework of the pocket, and Wilson certainly has the feet, the vision, the the wherewithal to do that. But of these top quarterbacks, he had it the easiest, and no one seems to mention that. I mean, Brady Christensen and this line that he had several draftable dudes that are old BYU guys beating up on 19-year-olds. Wilson had all day to throw and never really had to take a beating, and I just don't know that his body's super ready to do it. It's not even close, his strength of schedule versus uh, the other top quarterbacks, not named Trey Lance. Obviously, he was at the 1AA level, but um, things were were somewhat easy for him, and, um, and they looked easy because of the style of playmaker that Zach Wilson is, and I think it covered up some of the things that, and I've done a ton of work over the last week or so on the top guys, now knowing that the 49ers are going to be drafting one of them, and he, it's not as slam dunk as it started to look with him as the number two guy for me, and I think you could make, I wouldn't yeah. fight anybody if they made an argument that Fields is two or... Lance is two or Wilson is two. I think those guys are really tight. And I think there's a reason that they're going to go in the certain order that they do. And I think it will end up being Lawrence Wilson Fields still, in my opinion. Uh, And Mac Jones is a clear five. Um, He's a clear five on all of the, if if you don't believe me, he's a clear number five on all of the, you know, the top evaluators that I trust that do this stuff. Um, and it's just a really hard sell for me with Mac Jones being in the top three. So that said, is Wilson number three on your list after Justin Fields? And by the way, what do you love about Fields to put him in the two spot? There's one thing that's on my mind about Jones, and I and this, this, you, I stole this from somebody on a podcast. I wish I knew who I was listening to over the weekend, and I don't want to harp on who are your Niners going to take. We've talked about that a lot. I'm right. sure you've talked about it all the time. It's probably the only thing you think about at this point. <laughs> But I feel like if your Niners take 
or I mean, let me preface this. Is anyone familiar with the, the, the Toyota Sienna minivan? It's a very nice minivan. It's one of the nice minivans on the market. And frankly, the Williamson family, before our current vehicle, we had five of them in a row. Like every two years, we're at least one, get the exact same thing, get them, get a Sienna right back with the doors that slide, you put the groceries in, the kids and the sunroof, and it was lovely. But I feel like if the Niners, and again, I'm stealing this analogy from someone else, if they're a three and they take Mac Jones, they're buying that lovely minivan for like Lamborghini prices. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I, I've seen the same argument for home prices, right? You're paying, yeah, uh, yeah. you're you're paying a million dollars for a five hundred thousand dollar home. That's Bay Area prices, by the way. If if we're talking about a different area <laughs> of the country, we're talking about different numbers. You know, you're buying a, a two hundred thousand dollar home for four hundred fifty thousand dollars, right? So absolutely, and, and that's why it, it, none of it adds up for Mac Jones actually being the third pick in the draft, which also ties in to the lying season and. If the 49ers, who have been hush-hush, and that front office and that whole building has been dead quiet as far as leaks go since Shanahan and Lynch took over, if they're leaking out Mac Jones' name, that guarantees me that's not the guy they're taking. I think you're in a little denial, but uh, we'll see. I think that's a certain possibility. Um, As for Fields, I mean, we're splitting hairs. This is a rare quarterback class. And with all respect to Mac Jones, and we've been hard on him, a lot of years, he may even be second on my list. You know, I mean, there's just so many good guys, but he's clearly fifth. When I go Fields versus Lance versus Wilson, Lance, I guess, is a pretty clear four. But I, my, the, my Eileen Fields, too, is the accuracy. He's much more accurate than Lance. And he's maybe the most accurate guy in this whole list. I mean, Jones, I think, is in that conversation, too. But to all levels, obviously the athleticism, you know, my my daughter who doesn't know anything what a first down is could scout that. The accuracy is amazing with Justin Fields with the arm talent. And he might have a better arm than Trey Lance, too. Trey, Trey Lance is bigger and taller, but it's, yeah. Fields is faster. Fields has as strong of an arm, maybe stronger, and his downfield accuracy is off the charts. And right. I think being what he is in the the ability he has and the offense he came from at Ohio State, I've actually looked at him as a pocket passer, and I think he's getting not enough credit for how good he is there either. And so, hundred percent agree. I, I think he's right there with Wilson, and and I wouldn't argue two three three two whatever with those two guys. And what I will say about Wilson is he has some of the same things with playing a little bit of hero ball like Justin Fields does. And even though he's really accurate and good down the field, I like Fields' deep ball better. Zach Wilson can sometimes throw a flatter ball that I think could be defended a little bit more. Uh, he misses some placement as well, but he, he makes more wow off-platform plays, which you know jumps off the tape when you're watching Zach Wilson, which is why I think he gets a little bit more credit. But at times, there's even some similar uh, strengths and weaknesses with both Fields and Wilson, and Fields is just you know physically, I think, uh, more impressive to me. So that's why I have no problem with you going with Fields in the two slot. Lawrence, Fields, Wilson. Who's next in Matt Williamson's quarterback rankings and some sleeper prospects that could outplay their draft slot next? March Madness ends tonight. The Built Bar bracket is now over as well. Coconut Brownie Chump was deemed the best Built Bar flavor in 2021. You can find all the flavors at BuiltBar.com. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious 
folks out there. It helps you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low in calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, even great for a keto diet. Find the 12 original flavors at BuiltBar.com and some of the new fun flavors, some of which went very far in the Built Bar bracket. And best of all, you can get 15% off by using promo code LOCKED15. Just go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15. You will get 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next box of Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. Let's talk Trey Lance, Matt. Number four in your QB rankings for the 2021 NFL Draft. I'm wondering what the gap is from three to four for you. The reason it's hard for me to believe he's going to go super high in the draft and, and, you know, three, four area for me is just because the lack of information you have about Trey Lance. You know, Mm -hmm. when we look back on this in five years and Trey Lance is a bust, it's like, of course he was a bust. He came from the one double A level, played one season. That already is not a good recipe. And he didn't even play the season before. He played one game in 2020, the year before you draft the guy. So you're looking at 2019 tape. So you're going to draft this guy, maybe even top three based off of one season of tape for this guy. And it was really good. And Zoom meetings, that's hard for me to believe. Yeah, it is. But boy, it's weird times. And it's a strange situation without question. He's also extremely young. He's going to be the youngest player in the NFL when he gets there Mm -hmm. and doesn't have a ton of experience. This position, more than others, obviously, I think this goes without saying, is hard for me and you because we don't know their personalities, their work ethic, all the people vouching for them. But by all accounts, all are great. But Lance, everyone talks about he's an incredibly quick processor. We know he handled a lot of the mental things at the line of scrimmage, adjusting protections, probably more than any of these guys, with maybe the exception of Jones. So I think it's a little bit of a shortcut that everyone says, well, Lance is the one that needs a year. He hasn't played much. I understand that. But it's also, he might get it quicker than Fields or Jones or Wilson. You know, I mean, like, he might just kind of like Russell Wilson when he got to Seattle. Everything they fed him, he just cleared the plate, and they just kept filling his plate with more and more, and he got it, and by opening day, he was the guy. I mean, I don't know that Lance necessarily needs a year more more so than the other top guys. But, I mean, it'd be good for all of them. Don't get me wrong. I love him. I love his toughness. I think there's awesome traits there, including his mind. His accuracy is the worst, though. You know, like these advanced metrics that that chart accuracy at all levels and all these things, and ESPN put out something recently. He's near the bottom of the draftable quarterbacks in just about every category. And, I mean, we've seen the Josh Allens and Dak Prescotts get a lot better with that in the NFL, and I think there's something to that. And we haven't seen this guy for a while, so – Maybe he throws the ball with more accuracy than last we saw because it's been so long. But accuracy is still important. Accuracy is a big one. That's why I would put him behind Fields and Wilson as far as arm talent, even though he does have a big, strong arm. And the sitting for a year thing is also difficult for me because if his one big knock is lack of playing time, giving him more lack of playing time, how does that even help him, right? So now you're talking about in 2022, it's been two years since he's played. So that's also a tough part for me for his development. He actually needs the thing that he's not going to get, which is playing time. 
right? So Get him out there. the argument yeah. about he needs to sit for a year, I almost would argue the opposite. He needs to play for a year. Yeah, get, get some hits and understand the speed of the game. And um, obviously the speed of the game in the NFL is going to be a lot different than the school that he played at, and that was a long time ago. He needs to play more than anybody. Okay, but Mac Jones is your fifth quarterback, right, after Trey Lance? Yeah, and I think we know exactly what he is. He's that Toyota Sienna, and he's great with the mind. But when you can't get Aaron Donald blocked time and time again, does he even answer? Not really. The quote-unquote pro-ready stuff, I understand why people say that. Um, offense translates a little bit more, maybe as much as anybody mm-hmm. but Trey Lance, to the NFL game with Mac Jones. But his body type? Look, either either he's been working yeah. hard and his body doesn't cooperate, or he hasn't been working hard enough, like period, if you're going to be drafting him in the top 10 of the NFL draft. That worries me a little bit about the whole dad bod thing. You know, some of it's fun and, you know, whatever, he should lean into it and, and grow a mustache like Gardner Minshew and wear a half shirt like Quinn Miners and everyone would love the guy, right? And just like own his body. But uh, he's going to have to, if he's not putting in work, he's going to have to start putting in work because people always point to Tom Brady. Tom Brady doesn't have a dad bod anymore. You know, he's one of the few guys on the planet that's had a better body at 40 than he did at 20. So um, Mac Jones is going to have to put that work in. He's got a DUI in his past, so... There are some things, and when I talked about it being lying season and Dan Orlovsky, I think, got duped by some teams that maybe like Justin Fields and were trying to put out some uh, some wrong information out there and get that publicized about Fields being the last guy in and the first guy to leave. Um, Mac Jones, just from my vantage point, and I don't talk to anybody and I don't have any insight, I've never met any of these guys one-on-one, I would have as many red flags for Mac Jones as any of these top five quarterbacks. Yeah, I don't know that he's squeaky clean and... You know, you mentioned he's the most NFL ready, maybe a Lawrence aside, of course. None of them are NFL ready. Like, I don't like NFL ready in quotes being associated with college quarterbacks. None of them are ready for what they're about to withstand, not in the preseason, but when defensive coordinators have watched five or six of your games and know your strengths and weaknesses and are coming at you with corner blitzes and crowd noise and pressure and the media and your left tackle can't play. And, you know, like none of these guys are ready for that. And Mac Jones, by the way, still only started 17 games True. at the college level, which is the same as Trey Lance. So he doesn't really even have that going for him. He's got that small sample of starts, which uh, in a lot of cases, some teams just won't draft a guy who's only started for one full season. So uh, there's that. That's the top five. It's not too different from most people's top fives. How do you see the True. group after that top five? I know you had Davis Mills as one of your sleepers, and he's actually gained a lot of steam since we did those original rankings. I like him a lot, uh, and he's the one I could see being a second-round pick and everyone going, wow, that's early, but then I'm, then you should take a step back and go, okay, I get that. And he has a little bit of the Lance argument of he could probably use a year, he doesn't have a lot of experience, but then to your point, well, then get him experience. And, and he's probably not talented enough or of enough an investment that you just throw him in as your opening day starter but there's a lot of tools to work with there, and he throws the football extremely well. I know it's a pro day, and I'm not going to get too crazy about it, but his agility and running was much better than I expected. I thought he was going to be closer to a Bledsoe statuesque old-school pocket passer. He's a better, a much better athlete than that. Of all these guys not in the top five, he would definitely be the one I put a chip down that could be a long-term starter. He was a big-time recruit coming out of high school, and for various reasons, injuries for the most part is why he didn't get to play a lot at Stanford earlier in his career, and then they had the shortened 2020 season. So, you know, all of that combined means he doesn't have a lot of 
playing time as a starter, but he's got the arm. He's, you know, he's big, tall, built a lot like, say, I would say Matt Ryan is a pretty good comp for what he looks yeah. like. Nobody's seen him play before, but maybe even more athletic than Matt Ryan. Throws a really good ball, gets the ball out quickly, two and a half seconds, which NFL teams will love. So there's a lot to like with Davis Mills. I think there's so many quarterbacks going ahead of him that maybe uh, he won't surprise as much with how high he could go but i wouldn't be shocked if he went in round four uh, and i wouldn't be shocked if he went in round two and was maybe the sixth quarterback off the board either so it'll be interesting to see how teams feel about davis mills in, in which is you know increasingly the case with a lot of prospects in this draft is just such a strange season and uh we don't really know how teams are going to feel about some of these guys because the evaluations are somewhat incomplete I mean, if I'm the Bucks with this, the last pick and on the second round, and I don't have many needs, and I grab some shiny new object in the first round, I'd love to grab this guy and sit him. Go sit with Tom for a year or two and see what you become. The other part of the group of quarterbacks after the top five, we just talked about Davis Mills. There's Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask. Would you put Jamie Newman in that group? How do you see that group? Yeah, Trask was very productive. I've heard some arguments. Again, I'm not consistently bashing Mac Jones, but what if Trask would have been at Alabama? Not that Trask didn't have bad, good people around him. Would he have done? Would he have had a Mac Jones-like season? Maybe. Uh, I think Jones moves around the pocket a lot better and is better is better mentally. Trask isn't for me. Trask, Trask is kind of like Jacob Eason from a year or two ago, where if this was 1985, I could see it, and he doesn't even have the Eason arm you know i mean he is an okay passer when things are good he delivers the football well he's a really good college player i i think he needs everything around him to be right newman i guess i have to have an incomplete grade on him i mean i'm very intrigued boy did he make a bad mistake not going you know opting out this year but he could be a guy that surfaces in a year or two Mond is intriguing to me. I think Mond would be my seventh quarterback I took right behind Mills. Um, I think he's a high-end backup, maybe better. And then I don't know how much you know about Felipe Franks from Arkansas. He has some really wow moments. He does some good things athletically. He's huge. I wonder if he should turn into a tight end like Logan Thomas, though. Uh, I'm thinking the exact same thing. And Felipe really? Franks was, um, I saw him earlier in his career at Florida, right? Before he transferred to Arkansas. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, that's not a future NFL starting quarterback. But there's obviously athletically a lot to like there. And I think that's a great call. There could be some tight end in his future. And I wouldn't blame him if he's trying to be quarterback first. But I'm just not seeing it long term with him as being a quarterback. And that's why I sort of draw, drew the line after Jamie Newman. Because the rest of these quarterbacks, there might be some sleepers in there. And some that could impress and surprise in the NFL. But uh, after Newman, I think that's your last shot at maybe getting a guy that could could be something for you down the road and could maybe sneak into that day two area. But um, I think I agree pretty much with most of the stuff you're talking about. Kellen Mond is a hard one. He had a really nice week at the Senior Bowl. He's got a cannon yep. of an arm, and he's athletic. He is so stiff, though. Just his movements, they they look, yeah. they look very strange. And I just I have a feeling he's, he's not going to operate well in that really quick NFL game with just uh, just the way his body moves. But I could be way wrong on him. I just There's a certain amount of stiffness with him that – that uh, I, I immediately don't like. Yeah, as you were saying, he's not fluid. He's not real twitchy either. And he's he does run well, but he like 
Lance or Fields or anything like that. And he's not going to make a lot of people miss in the open field or run them over. He's got a lot of experience. He's gotten better, but you'd think he'd get better by leaps and bounds. He's, he's someone I, if he lands in the right spot, I'll keep an eyebrow raised looking at him saying, well, he might surface in a year or two and, and be do good things in this league. Um, the last two I just want to throw out there, I can see Ellinger from Texas and Ian Book from Notre Dame maybe having a Colt McCoy-like career, which is great. I mean, you end if you retire as a multi-multi-millionaire and don't have to do much, but <laughs> those guys might stick around and be hard to cut that, you know, and stick around for eight to ten years. Who knows? All right, that is Matt Williamson's quarterback rankings and some other names later on into the draft to be looking out for if your team might need a starter or a backup or a developmental type of quarterback or who knows, maybe even a tight end. All right, good stuff. We'll continue breaking (laughs) down position by position. NFL draft prospects have all the latest news for you as well. Matt and I will also be, uh, again, a part of the NFL Draft, the Mock Draft Spectacular happening on the network. More info on that as well. Keep it with us every day here on Peacock and Williamson.